2020, as Naoko-san was mentioning, has been a real tough year. With COVID, with things being closed, and with the racial issues, the social issues, the country being divided, and the election that's coming up. But I think 2020 has been also a year of clarity. And I find it very interesting that 2020 is known for what? Vision, right? And clarity. And how God's been using 2020 as a time of clarity. And for example, I brought some props with me. And just a disclaimer, some of these items... It's going to stir a lot of emotion in your hearts. You're either really going to get fired up in a good way or maybe fired up in a bad way. So just giving a fair warning. This one is dedicated to uh, Mike Fukuyama. I think God has revealed that uh, the Lakers are world champions. I know it's uh, firing up uh, Pastor Dave in a great way. And Michael, I think, is probably crushed right now. So sorry, Mike. How about the mask? This stirs up a lot of emotions, right? Imagine if you're at the market, someone sneezes and you turn back and they're not wearing their mask. That would probably make you upset, right? Or how about this hat here? I know this stirs up a lot of emotions, right? Imagine if someone comes to our church wearing this hat. Some of you might give them a high five and some of you might be really upset. It's a Make America Great Again hat. This is causing a lot of issues, too, a lot of division in our country today. Or how about your favorite athlete wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt? I know that stirs up a lot of emotions as well for our entire country. And my last item is the Bible. How do you feel when someone's holding a Bible or reading the Bible? And if, if I was a betting man, to be honest, I think many of us will not find the Bible the most exciting thing that I pulled out from my bag this morning, if you're honest. And my question is, why is that? Why is that? Why don't we get fired up about the Bible and we get fired up about these other things? And I think the reason behind it is we're focusing on the world. We're placing our hope on the world and we're not trusting Christ. And to be honest with you, LeBron James is not going to save America. Ultimately, Joe Biden or Donald Trump is not going to save America. The next vaccine is not going to save America. The next movement is not going to save America. Only God will be able to save America. And I I believe Acts chapter 7 verses 37 to 50 is a very timely message for us today. And I want to refresh your memory and share some context before we get into the passage. 
And if you guys remember, Stephen is speaking or preaching to the Sanhedrins. They're the religious leaders at that time. They're the same group that executed Christ on the cross. And they're accusing Stephen of blasphemy. And Stephen is defending himself, but actually he also rebukes the Sanhedrins for them committing blasphemy. And Stephen starts off sharing about the leaders of Israel with Abraham to Joseph and now to Moses. And in this passage, Stephen highlights three concerns that he has for the Israelites, for the Jews. And I believe it pertains to us today. The first concern, he talks about rejecting Christ. The second concern is worshiping idols. And the third concern that he talks about is compartmentalizing God. So please turn with me to Acts chapter 7, verse 37. So the first concern, rejecting Christ. Stephen tells us, this is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet. He's referring to Jesus. Like me, from your brothers, this is the one, Moses, who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And our fathers, he received living oracles, living word to give to us. Verse 39, our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt. Moses prophesies about Christ a thousand years before he was born on earth. Stephen quoted Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Where it says, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And in the New Testament, the Bible confirms that Jesus is the Messiah after Jesus feeds the 5,000 in John 6.14. Where the Bible tells us, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet. Do you notice a capital P? Because he's God who is to come into the world. Also, Moses was a foreshadowing of Christ. They rejected Moses, and it's no surprise they rejected Christ. And I want to give you four examples that I found amazing. How Moses was a prototype of Christ. The first example... Moses humbled himself by leaving Pharaoh's palace. So did Christ. He humbled himself by becoming man. Example number two. Moses was rejected at first. So was Jesus. Example number three. Moses was a shepherd. Guess what? Jesus is the good shepherd. Can I get an amen on that? Number four, Moses redeemed his people from bondage in Egypt. 
Jesus redeems men from bondage of sin. So the Israelites clearly saw that Moses was ordained by God as a prophet. He led them out of Egypt. He departed the Red Sea. And the Red Sea swallowed up the Egyptian military. They also knew that Moses was meeting God up in Mount Sinai, receiving the living oracles, the living word, the law and the Ten Commandments. They received food and water for 40 years as they wandered the wilderness. But their hearts were so hard, they rejected God through Moses. And verse 39 really stands out to me. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt. Stephen is letting them know that the nation of Israel has rejected God. Even after all that God has done for them. And in the passage, it says, their hearts turned to Egypt instead of God. They'd rather be slaves in Egypt instead of being free with God. And I have an important question for you this morning. Is our country like that? Are we like the Israelites? God has blessed our country immensely. We're the wealthiest country in the world. And we like to say, in God we trust. If you take out your dollar bill or coin, it says, in God we trust. But our country does not live out that statement. It's obvious that our country has rejected Christ. Just like how the Israelites thrusted Moses to the side. And we're going to list some information that's very sad. It reveals how much we have rejected God in our country. I have six things listed on this list. The first one comes from Pew Research. Stated that Christianity is dropping at a rapid rate from 51% to 43% in the past 10 years. But check this out. This is heartbreaking. This is heartbreaking. The same research company said that 80% of Christians, or so-called Christians, said that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. What does that mean? They're not Christians. Jesus clearly tells us that he is the only way to the Father and for salvation, right? Point number three, 67% of Christians said that premarital sex is okay. 63% of Americans say that same-sex marriage should be legal. And since 1973, ever since the decision from Roe versus Wade, this breaks my heart, we have killed 61 million babies through abortion. 61 million. And we're saying, in God we trust as a country? And in 2018, this was shocking. Pornography generated $15 billion. Billion with a B. More than the NFL, which generated $14 billion. And more than Netflix, $11.7 billion dollars. This is heartbreaking. God has poured his grace and favor on a country, and just like the Israelites, we too have thrust a Christ to the side. 
And Stephen now highlights his second concern. Worshipping idols. Worshipping idols. Verse 40 tells us, saying to Aaron, Moses' brother, make for us gods who will go before us. As for this, Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Verse 41, and they made a calf in those days, an idol, and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven. It is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? God is saying you gave sacrifice in an unworthy manner to me because you worship idols. Verse 43, you took up the tent of Moloch. Moloch is a Canaanite god associated with child sacrifice. And the star of your god, Rephon, an Egyptian sun god, the image that you made to worship. And I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Stephen is referring to Exodus chapter 32. Moses is on top of Mount Sinai for 40 days receiving the law from God. The Israelites down below gets restless. And they go up to Moses' brother Aaron and said, Make us a God. Make us a God. And Aaron complies, gathers gold from the Israelites, and they end up making a calf. And what struck me was, why did they make a calf? The surrounding areas worship a bull god. The Egyptians had over 2,000 gods, but why a cute little calf, a kawaii animal? Why? Like Hello Kitty maybe, I don't know. Why? And I believe the reason why is they wanted a God that they can control. They wanted a God that they control. They wanted a magical golden calf that will grant them their wishes. I know that most of us don't have golden calves in our living rooms. Do you guys have any golden calves in your living rooms? But let me ask you an important question. Do you have a golden calf in your heart? Do you have a golden calf in your heart? Because deep inside, many of us want God that we can control. And if we're not careful, we want Christ to be like that golden calf. And I want to remind you, God is not our homeboy. He's our Lord. He's our Lord. God is not a genie. He's not a genie that grants all your wishes. And God's not a business partner. Telling God, I did this for you, so you owe me something in return. And God is definitely not our servant. But we submit to him. Amen? And do you see that we treat Christ like that? Jesus is Lord. We submit to him. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no one higher. 
And I agree with what Pastor Dave wrote a couple months ago in his devotional. He wrote, we want to make the decision and we pray for God to bless it. We want to make the decision and we pray for God to bless it. And verse 42 really spoke to me. And it scared me as well. It says, But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heavens. And it is written in the book of the prophets. You notice, it says, gave them over. God turned away and gave them over. Stephen was talking about how God handed the Israelites to the Babylonians. God allowed the people of Israel to become captive because of their own evil choices. And if God could turn away from his chosen people, the Israelites, why can't God turn away from our country? See, we live in this illusion thinking, I'm American. God's just going to pour favor on this country. But we're not exempt from any judgment from God. And however, I want to make this clear. If you truly have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you belong to him. You are a child of God. No matter what happens in our country, nothing can separate you personally from Christ. Romans 8.38 tells us, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. However, I believe that as a country, as a nation, we have disobeyed God so much that we are currently being judged. He has actually abandoned our country and he has stopped restraining evil from our nation. And my brother, who's a pastor as well, Pastor Rocky, shared about this last week in his message. And he talked about Romans 1. Paul the Apostle gives us a warning about God abandoning a nation. And in Romans 1, Paul mentions three times that God gave them up to to their sinful ways. And the Bible tells us there's three stages when God abandons a nation to judge. The first stage is a sexual revolution. Second stage is a homosexual revolution. And a third stage is a debased mind. So if you could turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Paul talks about a sexual sexual revolution. Verse 24 says, Therefore, God gave them up and the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. As I shared earlier, porn is a $15 billion industry. And in the late 1950s, Hugh Hefner started Playboy magazine. 
And he played a huge role in starting the sexual revolution in our country today. From movies, TV shows, and commercials, sex is everywhere. I can't even drive on the 605 freeway without seeing an an advertisement for a, a strip club. It's everywhere. And there's times I have to turn off the TV while I'm watching a football game with Jordan because there's just too much sexual content in the commercials. And today, having sex with multiple partners and, and having sex before you get married is the norm. That's the expectation of our society today. And at times, it's looked down upon if you're not having sexual intercourse with people before you get married. That's our society today. We have become a perverted nation. The second stage is a homosexual revolution. Verse 26 of Romans 1 says, For this reason, again, for the second time, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. He's talking about lesbianism. Verse 27. And men likewise gave up natural relations, relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men. It's like sodomy. And receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Our society today is affirming and celebrating homosexuality. They've taken the rainbow, God's good promise, and twisted it into something that is promoting sin. And there's a month now called Pride every June that the country celebrates. You have the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL supporting Pride Month. And what blew me away was a couple years ago, I went to go see the King Tut exhibit at the L.A., um, I think it's the L.A. County Museum. And we were walking by USC, and I saw rainbow banners all over campus. That threw me off guard. And for our children, parents, I'm giving you a warning. Disney came out with a new movie that's featuring its first gay main character. It's an animated film. Even churches. Denominations are ordaining homosexuals now. You have churches officiating a marriage between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. So the sexual revolution is being embraced and celebrated in our country and it's seeping into our churches. And the third stage, Paul talks about a debased mind. Verse 28 And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God for the third time, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, 
disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. We are now in the era of a debased mind. And you might be asking, well, what is a debased mind? A debased mind is a confused, insane, worthless mind. Or our society today can't even tell the difference between left and right, up and down, and we can't even tell the difference between a man and a woman anymore. That's what Paul's talking about, a debased mind. And we have leaders making laws that uphold that insanity. And that's how lost we are as a society. That's a debased mind. And in verse 32... Of Romans 1. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they do not, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Verse 32 is saying that, yes, they're, they're, they're practicing sin, but they're also encouraging others to do it. And celebrating it. Doesn't that sound like a country today? Doesn't it sound like our country today? We are experiencing God's judgment by God abandoning our country. I hear people telling me, I can't wait till 2021. It's going to be a better year. I don't think it's going to be a better year unless God comes back to our country. God's restraining grace of sin has left us. So now let's go back to Acts chapter 7, verse 44, and we'll continue on from our main passage this morning. And the third concern that Stephen highlights is compartmentalizing God. Verse 44 tells us, Our fathers had the tent a witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our father, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they depossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David who found favor in sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for gods of Jacob, for the God of Jacob. Verse 47. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in the house made by hands, as the prophet Isaiah says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. That's how great God is. The earth is just his footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hands make all these things? In this, in this part of the passage, Stephen talks about the tabernacle. So as the Israelites were wandering around for 40 years, God ordained them to make essentially a tent for them to worship in that area. And when Joshua, Moses' successor, takes the Israelites into the promised land, he takes the tabernacle with them. And afterwards, King David had this convic- conviction to build a temple. 
But God ordained King David's son Solomon to build an amazing temple. So Stephen here is not accusing the Israelites for building a temple because he knows that it was ordained by God. But what he's saying is, you guys are worshiping the temple and rituals instead of God. That you have confined God to this temple. When God is saying that the earth is his footstool, you have compartmentalized God. And it made me think, are we compartmentalizing God as well? We come here on Sundays, fired up, but how are we Monday through Saturday? Are we worshiping Christ just at church? How about at the workplace? Do your coworkers know that you're a believer? Do you just leave Christ in the parking lot of your car and you go into your office and no one knows that you love Christ or that you're a Christian? Or how about if you're dating somebody? You have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Do you just leave Christ at the porch and go into the apartment and do things that don't honor God? Or how about having lost family members who don't know Christ? Are we just leaving Christ at home because you don't want to share the gospel with your lost family members because you're afraid that they're going to get offended or they're going to get mad at you? Or do we just come to church too where we would just want to make the spouse happy? I want to be a good husband or a good wife. I'm just coming here. Or maybe we love the Sunday school program. So I'm just coming to church so that my kids can be good kids because we have an awesome Sunday school program. And I believe, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, listen to me. Raise up the volume at home. If we really want change in the country, it's up to us. It's up to us. God is calling us to change the country. See, many of us, we want to change the world, but we don't want to change ourselves. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 tells us, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. And this verse has been really speaking to my heart, my kokoro, my korozon. Because for the longest time, I thought I had to generate this light. But if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart. He's the light. And you have two choices. You either suppress this light or you let it shine. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, let's let it shine. And let God do his work. Don't suppress that light. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink, something as mundane as eating or drinking, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Not just sometimes to the glory of God. What does it say? Oh, we do a call to glorify God and share the gospel 
not just sometimes. So my final point for the sermon is, it's a question. And some of you might be asking this morning, is there hope? Do we have hope? And that's why I love the Bible. It guides us to the truth. More than a Laker jersey, more than a red hat, more than a shirt, more than a mask, the word. So turn with me to Psalms 81, verse 11. This is an amazing passage. And again, God is speaking to the Israelites. And this is God speaking. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over again to the stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Verse 13. Oh, that my people will listen to me, that Israel will walk in my ways. I will soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe towards him, and their faith would never would, would last forever. Verse 16. But he would feed you with the finest of the wheat. And with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. I don't know God's will for a country, but I know his heart. Verse 13 tells us, Oh, that my people will listen to me, that Israel will walk in my ways. He's telling us, only if you will listen. I have all these blessings waiting for you. I will be with you as a nation. I will subdue your enemies, sin from your country. And when, when this passage talks about finest wheat, I believe this passage is talking about Christ. Right? Jesus calls himself what? The bread of life from John 6.35. And the rock, that's God. Rock of our salvation from, from Psalms chapter 89, verse 26. And you might be thinking, what's the honey? Honey from the rock are the words that come from God. The Bible. And it says it satisfies our souls. So Jesus is our only hope for America. And Jesus, this morning, I believe, is crying out, saying, listen, repent, obey, and stay faithful to me. And church family, it might get even worse for our country. I hope it doesn't. I'm praying every day that our country will listen and repent, and God will bless our country. And recently, God reminded me how faithful he is. As many of you know, a month and a half ago, I received the worst news I could possibly imagine. The doctor telling me that 
Jordan has cancer. That was the darkest moment of my life. When the doctor saying that he has a 50-50 chance of surviving with his first diagnosis. Having conversations with him that I never thought I would ever have. Where he's asking me, Papa, am I going to die? Those moments were dark. But God's faithful. We, we, we sought the Lord during this time. And he provided us with comfort, peace, and hope that surpasses any understanding. And ultimately, what gave us true and living hope is that we know that no matter what happens, no matter what happens to me, and what, no matter what happens to Jordan, no matter what happens to the country, that we'll always be together because of Jesus Christ. That's the true living hope that we have in Christ. No matter what happens, brothers and sisters, next year might even be worse. 2021 might be even worse. We have Christ. We have Christ. And maybe perhaps somebody might be streaming today and you're saying, I want that hope. I want Jesus in my life. No matter what happens in my life or in this country, I want that peace. I want that joy. I want that hope in my life. Friend, your answer is Jesus Christ. And I will love to follow up, to you, follow up with you after service. And if you text... The word Jesus to our church's phone number, 626-285-6788. I promise you, I will personally follow up with you. And I could share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with you. And so now the weekly challenge for the week. Don't worry, I'm not asking you to read this on a daily basis. But read Acts chapter 7, verses 37 through 50. That's the passage that we covered. Romans 1, verses 24 through 32. Psalms 81, 11 through 16. And Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. And what... I'm sorry, I had Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I want to share that right now. So Leah, can you, can you bring that up as well? And in closing, I want to share Jordan's um, life verse. And it's been really uh, sustaining him during this time. And it's a great example of how honey from the rock, God's word, really sustains us and satisfies us, even during dark times. And God tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Amen? So please read the Bible passages for your weekly challenge. I want you to pray for the election. 
And I want you to vote. We're blessed to live in America where we have this blessing of being able to vote. Not all countries have this blessing. Let's steward this blessing well. Amen? And another thing I want to point out too is, I know that a lot of people are passionate about Trump or Biden. But whoever God ordains to be our next president, let's pray for the next president. It tells us in 1 Timothy that we are called to pray for our leaders. Ultimately, we don't serve Biden or Trump. We serve Christ, and that's what Christ is telling us to do. So no matter who wins, let's pray for the next president. And I want you to answer this question. In what ways is God calling you to listen? Repent and walk in his ways. Is there anything that you have to repent from? And the last question is, how are you giving the hope of Jesus Christ to others in your workplace, with your family, and with your friends? I'm going to ask Naoko-san and her team to come up now as I close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for blessing us this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for being our living hope. And we know that you are faithful, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, no matter what happens in our lives and in our country. So, Father, I plead to you this morning. Help us to listen to your words. Help us to walk in your ways. Help us to be faithful to you. And Father, I pray that you would just use us to be a light for your kingdom. I know that we live in a dark season and we live in a dark country. But Father, help us. Help us to be faithful to you, for us to be a light for your kingdom. Help us, use us to stir up a change in our country. Because, Father, we know that the next president ultimately will not save our country. The vaccine, the next movement, but your your only son, Jesus Christ, is our only true and living hope. So once again, Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. We love you so much. And we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.